You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker, back at you with another interactive class from the Secret Library of the Connected Universe. Yes, we are simulcasting this particular Connecting the Universe class. It's a new format that we're actually going to be uh, doing here week to week. We are going to be simulcasting. Connected Universe Portal members, however, get some special perks on the back end because we're going live there first, coming in here on the public side and then at the end we're gonna cut back to the member side so uh for those listening to the podcast version later though do want to invite all of you to join us every wednesday night eight o'clock p.m eastern time for the full connecting the universe experience connecteduniverseportal.com and now simulcasting back on the mike ricksecker youtube channel also uh, we will be bringing back Edge of the Rabbit Hole. So uh, more news on that coming up. Uh, but for the Connecting Universe portal, just want to let you know, yes, you get the weekly Connecting the Universe classes uh, and also the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going to be uh, forthcoming with all of that. Sneak peek of behind-the-scenes videos of all the different projects going on, monthly Q&As, exclusive articles, insider uh, travel vlogs, ancient Egypt, Ireland, American Southwest, all that wonderful stuff connectinguniverseportal.com. And for the members, get the app because then you get all the notifications and stories and posts and everything, boom, right to your phone. It's awesome. Uh, one final thing before we actually get cranked into the class, and I see that uh, Sarah Youssef and Tom McNicholas are already down there in the chat, fantastic. I uh, do want to let you know this coming weekend, Paris Icon, Ohio State Reformatory, Mansfield, Ohio, sport in the shirt we are going to be highlighting that this particular evening got some video clips some old investigation clips but when we when we're talking about our hauntings interdimensional we're going to be uh referencing ohio state reformatory at the outset and then we'll get into some other stuff uh later on following that a couple of weeks later uh june 10th bell mansion fort wayne indiana for the connecting the universe special event uh we got four major presentations where we're talking about stargates and portals atlantis uh we're going to be talking about time travel consciousness a lot of different material within that uh please go to my website mikerickseker.com to find out more about that all right so class question for this evening what do you think a true haunting really is so uh, let's see, we had uh, Jen responded to that with, 
she says, I would say it's an entity who has unfinished business on this plane of existence. And then Sarah Youssef uh, on the Our Hauntings Interdimensional uh, question, which is the title of tonight's show. She says, short answer, yes. <laughs> Longer answer, we'll have to attend the class to find out. All right. So here we are uh, talking it. So really when we talk about a haunting, I had a conversation about this on uh, Bob Brown's show earlier today, uh, podcaster out in the, the UK. We were talking about it in relation to shadow entities, you know, the shadow phenomenon. What is a shadow person? That classic question that I always get. And really the same answer applies to what's a haunting as applies to what's a shadow person. Like with, with a shadow person, you know, it depends on the type of shadow. With a haunting, it also depends on the type of haunting. So are hauntings interdimensional? Yeah, some are. We're going to talk about that this evening. But we're also going to talk about a variety of different hauntings at as well. So, uh, and Tom, yes, you can interconnect with the with the public side. So, uh, on the uh, Connected Universe portal side, a whole had a whole preamble kind of describing what's going on. Uh, but we are simulcasting uh, both on the member side and public to the uh, to the YouTube channel. All right, so let's first talk about human spirit type hauntings, okay? So like an intelligent haunt. Um, well, let me back up a bit because I did want to highlight the Ohio State Reformatory. So, and this is going to have multiple different kinds of haunts. So it's going to have a lot of residual. Uh, it's going to have a lot of intelligent and when we talk about either, so a residual haunt, you know, basically a recording of something that has happened in the past, something that is pretty much playing on a loop. So uh, something that we commonly uh, will call this is stone tape theory, right? Something has been embedded into the structure and we don't know what kicks it off, but then it plays back. And I'm showing you this photo here because uh, the term actually comes from a 1972 Christmas ghost story that played on the BBC called The Stone Tape. And some can even trace it back, like the concept for this film. You can trace back to late 19th century uh, when Edmund Gurney and Elnor Sidgwick of the Society for Cyclical Research presented that the idea that certain buildings and construction materials are capable of storing records of the past. So when you look at a massive building like Ohio State Reformatory and what it is constructive out of, you know, all the stonework, the metal framing, everything. In uh, all, of course, the tragedy that happened there, you know, that energy, when it is expelled, can attach itself to different things. Again, we're not really sure what the catalyst is to make the playback happen, but that can be recorded within there. So that would be the residual haunt. And then, of course, the intelligent haunt. Now we're talking about a human spirit, something that is 
intelligent and can respond to you. So what I want to do, because again, I want to highlight Parasycon, which is coming up this weekend at the Ohio State Reformatory uh, in Mansfield. So by the way, we're doing the, uh, we have the meet and greet on Friday night, uh, all day speakers, vendors, et cetera, during the day on Saturday. We have the Celebrity Ghost Hunt Saturday night, and then Sunday, again, all-day vendor speakers, that sort of thing. So come on by. You can go to parasycon.com. So I'm going to play here a few clips from investigations there. See what you make of it. I know for those that have uh, been longtime followers of what had been the Haunted Road Media Channel, uh, might be familiar with some of these clips. Uh, but we're going to start down in solitary okay so i'm down here in solitary confinement right around the area where unfortunately one of the guards frank hanger was bludgeoned to death by a prisoner trying to make an escape so this area is reportedly to be a very haunted we're also going to go a little further down into solitary where one inmate murdered another okay so i am in solitary confinement and it's around here where one inmate had murdered another. Now, what's interesting is that when Shauna and I visited last year, yes, I'm holding ghosty. When Shauna and I visited last year, it was one of these cells, I actually don't remember particularly which one, where we started feeling some heaviness, that kind of buzzy feeling of something paranormal going on. It's bad. Hello? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm actually getting lightheaded. Hello, what are you doing down here? And I just thought I heard a voice. Hello? Somebody down here with me? My name is Mike. I'm just trying to tell the story of what's happened up and down here in solitary. There were some unfortunate deaths down here. And if I have part of the story wrong, by all means, please correct me. Yeah, so that's a little bit of an experience down there in solitary, and there really is a palpable energy that is down there, um, especially as you move in and out of some of the different cells and locations that have had those experiences. So again, you know, construction material, um, you know, picking up on that energy, but there are intelligent haunts throughout the facility as well. So um, do have, and these are, uh, some of this is taken from like old Friday night ghost frights. Uh, if you guys remember those that I used to produce. So you're hearing some of that uh, you know, music and like the chimes and the jangling and all that sort of stuff. Uh, a couple of questions here from, from Bulging Battery. Uh, where do the ghosts come from? And that's kind of what we're getting into here. Again, it depends on the type of quote unquote ghost, you know, the type of paranormal activity that you're experiencing. And then also, uh, where do UFOs come from? Are they inter interplanetary or interdimensional? Depends on the UFO. Uh, and really the answer is both. Some are physical craft that are, in, that are interplanetary. Some are interdimensional that are coming here from another plane of existence. Some are also time travelers. 
So it really depends on the UFO or UAP as to what we're dealing with. And it seems like I'm saying that a lot. I mean, I talked about that at the beginning with shadow entities. I've been saying that about, you know, shadow beings for a long, long time now. Uh, we're talking about that here with, with ghosts, you know, and I just uh, broke that down with UFOs. And the, the problem is, is that people want a real simple answer. Like I see this phenomenon. I want one simple answer. Tell me what this phenomenon is. And it really isn't that simple. It, it's not just one answer. There are multiple answers to all of these things that we are experiencing. So, and then Tom is going to be there at Parasitecon. Fantastic. See you there, buddy. Yeah, I saw I saw Nick post that uh, earlier today. So it'll be uh, good to see you again. It's been too long. So, all right. So I'm going to move there from solitary. Now, this here is, I, I will say this is a, a gruesome tale about... Uh, what has happened uh, with this particular inmate. And this could be either or. I have not experienced this particular spirit that is supposed to be there. Some claim he's an intelligent hunt. Some claim that he's a, uh, a residual energy that's there because of what he did to himself. Uh, this, uh, this actually starts in the chapel and then moves on to the, uh, the Lockhart fire. So I am in the chapel. I know very hard to see what I'm actually in, but I am in the chapel. In here, people capture a lot of EVPs, and there is supposedly a photo of a little boy sitting in one of the pews, but people contend that it may actually be the end of the pew. But you never know. A lot of people do like to come in here, sit down in one of the pews, just relax, and listen for the voices of the spirits. Okay, I am standing in cell number 13, the tragic cell number 13 on tier number 4 where James Lockhart took his life in 1960. He was only age 22. He was serving 1 to 15 years for assault with intent to kill. And basically he grew too depressed about being in here and decided to set himself on fire. So he has smuggled in some accelerant, some lighter fluid, set himself on fire right here in this cell. And so they say that when the guards um, you know, were trying to extinguish the fire and get him out of here, that the flesh was falling off his body. Very, very gruesome. So, um, so people, of course, do say that they encounter uh, his spirit within here and within the cell block. I have yet to interact with Mr. Lockhart. But I have a couple times down in the fire control center have experienced something going on where uh, a few times there someone playing with my hair, kind of patting me on the head, that sort of thing. And then the last time I was here, I was hearing this weird, strange hiss down there. So who hangs out here at the fire control center? Yeah, a real strange sound. Uh, never could pinpoint what it was. Again, you're in a large building like that. Could have been a number of different things, but it was kind of strange. I mean, we're not going to say it was a ghost snake or something like that, right? Um, but it's, you know, just knowing what happened in that cell, you know, it has a distinct just creep factor to it. So 
when you're investigating within that cell, you know, how much of that plays into it as well, just knowing what had happened. So it almost kind of gives you a, a heightened sense of awareness, which could play into, you know, either you are more aware of things that are actually going on in the cell, or you could even be giving yourself some sort of false positive. Uh, that can actually happen as well. So uh, Jen is at the airport. Yeah, she's actually on her way here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sharon Lane, great to see you down there. She says, living people are leaving a great deal of their energy when they visit these places, too. That is very true. Um, you know, when you go to these places, and we all have a toroidal field of energy that surrounds us, uh, that emanates out from us. And so when we interact with different people, past different people, when we enter into and out of rooms, that energy is picked up by whomever or whatever is there. And so, yes, these uh, locations are picking up on these different things too. So, you know, when we have uh, these big events at, uh, at a building like this, uh, it can really, you know, amp up what's going on in there uh, because you have all of this energy or conversely, it can overwhelm the other energy that's there so that when you are, because we're going to have the celebrity ghost hunt on Saturday night, it could overwhelm everything that's going on in there and basically, you know, either dole it out so that it's not active, or you might inadvertently be picking up on the energy of the people that are there for the event rather than the spirits. So uh, Judy asked, do you find spirits are more active at night or at a certain or at certain times? So the whole idea of, you know, investigating in the middle of the night, uh, honestly, is in many ways kind of silly. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people do it well, and we associate ghosts with the dark and, you know, creepiness and all that. And of course, when the uh, television shows do that, you know, it makes more sense to do, if you're going to do a ghost show, do it at night. But spirits are we interact with them all day long. It doesn't just happen at night. In fact, most of the stories that we get from people happen during the day, especially a historic location uh, that, you know, offers tours and things like that. And you have, you know, the, the docents and the people who run the tours and people that are on those tours report, well, we were going into this room and this thing happened. It was, you know, in the middle of broad daylight. So these things can happen at any time of day. Now, other things can play into effect. Like when you talk like the moon cycles or, um, you know, the shifts in the tide or different energetic times of the day or when there's a massive solar flare that hits the earth. Uh, you know, those can certainly amp up an area, an electrical storm uh, that comes through. You know, that can charge an area. Uh, you know, Tom and I, that's when we saw the the little girl morph out of the black smoke, you know. Um, so those, those things all play into it. So it's not really just like one specific time of day. So, um, Sarah, uh, Sharon, did anyone see the shadow person near the entrance at the coronation of King Charles? I did not. I'll have to look that one up. So, um, yeah, I, I did not. I've been a little busy. I'm, I, when I haven't been doing like this and, well, the day job, my head has been into my book. Um, it is like this close to being done, literally half a chapter. 
half a chapter to to finish it off. And I would have finished it off today, but I had to prepare for this. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Brooklyn, great to see you again as well. It has been a long time. We're going to be doing this a lot more often on the public side again. So, um, all right. So next clip, uh, this is actually a blocked area of the admin building. Actually, the last two times I've been there, they've had this entire floor in this wing blocked off. They've not let they have not been letting people over there even into that area, let alone this particular room. So something is going on over there and has been for a long, long time. One of the more haunted little known areas of Ohio State Reformatory is the third floor admin area west wing. Now up here, this door is currently closed off and is barred up, but it didn't used to be. Now, I've been up here several times. I've always gotten some sort of uh, heavy feeling or some sort of buzzing feeling. Well, it makes you wonder, you know, if that was a bathroom because you can see the sink and maybe there's something else there. It makes you wonder, though, if somebody didn't have an accident. Maybe there's a murder in there where somebody's head was bashed. I don't know. Now, Greg Fakedic tried to see ghost hunters when he was first investigating here back in 2004. Uh, all the windows in here used to be completely boarded up, completely dark. They came in here, it used to be a bathroom. They went in, closed the door, and for about 10 to 15 seconds after they'd been in there for a little while, there was suddenly a, what he describes, a crazy light show, all kinds of different colors near the ceiling. Uh, only for about 10 or 15 seconds, and then it was gone. So there's definitely something going on uh, in what used to be a bathroom up here, third floor admin area of the West Wing. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and we don't have a clear answer because I've I've been with Greg when he's done uh, like the little tour of the area before, and either he wasn't sane or he doesn't know why they have that door on there because it's just a bathroom, it's a large bathroom in this area of Ohio State Reformatory. Um, way back in the day when it was in a more functional use, especially toward the beginning of, uh, of its use, which we're talking late 1890s and then into the 20th century. It was shut down at the, um, basically it was in use for like 100 years. They shut it down at the uh, early 1990s and then they filmed Shawshank Redemption there. But this area was where uh, official dignitaries and, and people like that would come. Um, you know, politicians and, and things like that. This is the area where they would say, so it was the bathroom for them. So, you know, why they put the metal door there and why you now can't even get in there. Well, you could slip under the rope if you really wanted to. I might do that this weekend. <laughs> it's, it's been a couple of years. I want to know what the heck is going on over there or fingers crossed. They have it open this time. Um, you know, but really, really unusual activity that has been witnessed in there. And yet Greg and his wife, Kathy, are the ones, uh, they, they head up Tri-C Ghost Hunters. They're the ones that are hosting the event, uh, Parasycon, this weekend. All right, this last clip from OSR is from what they call the uh, uh, windowless room. A lot of ideas about what the room was known or what the room may have been used for. We don't know. There's not documentation on what it was used for. Some people think it was a storage room. Some people think it was an interrogation room. Some people think it was a break room for the guards. 
We don't know. But it's in the shape of that um, octagon, like, you know, the tower, that big here. Um, all right. So you see the tower there uh, right in the middle. Basically, this windowless room is, if you look, okay, you got the, uh, you know, basically the steeple there, a set of windows, and then there's a stone wall piece that comes down, and then you, know, you have some decorative pieces and then some more windows. It's that stone wall there uh, that this windowless room is behind. I wish I could actually have a pointer on the screen so I could point it out like that rather than um, try to describe it and make you guys try to figure it out. But in any case, um, what I have found, and a lot of people claim that they get activity in this room. For me, I've always gotten a lot of activity just outside of it, and I'll hear things coming from that room while I'm outside of it. But then when I go into it, everything stops within the room. So here's the here's a clip from that. I have heard a couple of pops down there, um, down by the doorway. Could just be building stuff. Um, not nice. I just saw a little something overhead. Huh. That's kind of weird. It's like a little, little fee. Not sure what that was. And now it's down there by that doorway. Okay, it went from the doorway straight down the hall to the room. That popping noise. It's almost like a little clicking. I don't know if you guys have heard it. I'm gonna pop on the recorder. Let me put this down for a second. Did you guys hear that? Hello? Hello? It's the second time I heard a whisper from this room. I'm trying not to go in here because I will lose signal and I know you don't know what I mean from losing signal. Yeah, and what I was doing there at that time, I was doing a live investigation uh, on YouTube. So you can actually look up that whole uh, investigation here on the YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, I was getting EVPs in the hallway, keep the girl. I was hearing whispers coming out of that room. Um, yeah, a, a lot of interesting things. And once going inside of it, everything would stop. And, yeah, I would also lose signal going in there trying to do that live. And that was... Five or six years ago was a while ago now. Jeez, time flies. Time really flies. Okay, so we started going down the road of talking about uh, different kinds of haunts. And let me see uh, what you guys have here for questions before I dive into that. Um, so Sharon asked, does Andrea think that some of the hauntings at the Conjuring House are interdimensional? Yes. Um, yeah, Andrea and I have had that conversation a lot, and there's certainly a lot that is going on at that particular house, and I was debating on whether or not to uh, cover the Conjuring House tonight. I've covered that a lot within the classes. We've had Andrea on a lot for Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I've talked about it a lot in my books. In fact, the new book, 
the time travel book that's coming out in August again talks about uh, the conjuring house and it's because they have had time slips there, which is, you know, we're at, we are actually going to talk about that later. So I'm kind of surprised that maybe I should have brought in a, uh, a photo of the house to talk about it a little bit, but um, you know, that is another possibility with a lot of these hauntings is a time slip. Now, uh, Andrea and her sisters have also talked about uh, a bubble being in there where things would be going on supernaturally upstairs in the bedroom area and it would seem like it would drag on for like 20 minutes all this crazy stuff and finally stop they'd go back downstairs you know frightened to death and look at the clock and only like five minutes had passed so there was something going on with the energy within that area and what's powering it there is the well room i mean i am for me Yes, there's something with the land. There's already something inherent with the property there, but that well room helps to supercharge it. You have an open well, there's water within the well. You have limestone walls capped with granite blocks. And we see this like all throughout our ancient sites of power, like out in ancient Egypt. You know, you got the Nile River, you've got you know, most of these temples, the pyramids made of limestone, and then you have uh, parts of it made of granite. So, um, you know, well, like the obelisks, the obelisks are all made of the Aswan rose granite, the, uh, chambers within the great pyramid, they're all made of the granite. Uh, when you cross the thresholds into the temple, the threshold that you cross is made of granite. And then, you know, most of, most of the temples are made of that limestone. So you have all these, uh, energetic properties in boom, it's right there in the well room of the conjuring house. Um, all right. So let's, um, I know you got some other comments down in there, but I do want to talk. We talked, um, stone tape, stone tape theory. I do want to talk intelligent haunt and the example that I want to give here. And I've talked about it on occasion. I think it's been a little while though, is, uh, an investigation that we ran. This is when I lived in Oklahoma. So this is <laughs> over 10 years ago, um, but it was a really, really uh, fascinating investigation at an old army airfield, Frederick, Oklahoma. And it served as the uh, the jump training school. So this is where the guys uh, that would parachute out of the airplanes would train. And they actually do have a couple of uh, airplanes there from World War II. And one of them did see action, and that is this particular one. And we did get to investigate not only the hangar, the building, the barracks, all of that stuff. We actually got to investigate inside the airplane as well. So there's me um, 12 years ago now. <laughs> it's been a little while. And, uh, you know, fascinating to be able to investigate in there, but not a lot was going on when we were investigating inside the plane. You know, we're asking all these different questions, trying to figure out, you know, who's there? Is it, is it the pilot? Um, you know, trying to relate some of the stories that we had heard of the hauntings that were going on inside the hangar, things that we had heard going on uh, with the plane from the, you know, the people that work there. 
nothing, 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 nothing. You know, we've got our different meters set up and you know, we're trying to do a uh, EVP session, all that sort of stuff. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, I mentioned, hey, you know, I served six years in the U.S. Air Force. And I know that it's from the uh, Army Air Corps that the Air Force originated. All of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. We got lights, beeps, all kinds of stuff going off. Ding, ding, ding. And from that point on, this entity became very interactive with us. We were able to ask questions. We're getting responses, all that sort of stuff. Discovered that it was the navigator who was actually there in the plane that actually saw action during World War II. So that is your intelligent haunt. That is a human spirit that was still there with the plane that was interacting with us. Uh, took a little while to get there, but this is where I like to talk about, you know, become friends with these entities. When we're out there on a paranormal investigation, you know, a lot of people are just throwing out there, you know, you know, what's your name? Why are you here? Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And, you know, there's no personalization to it. This is why I like to, to go into an investigation, knowing some information, because if you're just like starting off cold, it's like, um, <laughs> let me put it this way. Um, in some ways, it's almost like you're going up to a bar, going up to a, a random stranger and saying, hey, baby, how's this going? You know, um, you know, just, uh, you know, it's just cold calling, right? Um, or, you know, some of these people are, uh, you know, very combative, uh, you know, with their with their methodology of investigation, where they're, um, you know, like, hey, you know, hit me. Would you do that? Would you walk up to a person you're meeting for the first time? Like, hey, what's your name? Hit me. You know, like, they'd be like, oh, dude, back, back off. But but people do that. You know, it's, it's really kind of bizarre. That's not how you would start a conversation with a person. You'd be like, I, I start by introducing myself. Hi, my name is Mike. You know, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And it might seem long and drawn out and boring, and I will do this like room to room to room, but um, but I believe it's the the right proper thing to do. That we are trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to learn something about these people and people and people in general. You got to remember these were once human beings, and people in general aren't going to share information with you until they warm up with you. So, um, so that's that's how I handle uh, those sorts of things. Got some comments coming down in here. Uh, I haven't aged at all. <laughs> I appreciate that. Been a little while. Um, and uh, Sharon, yeah, show respect at Gettysburg and you will get attention. That exactly right. Yeah. Um, and that in Gettysburg is, is a location that you will get a mix of different types of haunts there where, you know, you will have the intelligent haunts. That, yes, if you're respectful, you can get an interaction with a intelligent spirit that is there. One of the uh, human spirits that are still lingering, but you can also have those residual haunts. And you hear these stories all the time where, you know, people will see what they think is a reenactment out there on the field and they'll come back to the, uh, 
you know, to the visitor center would be like, hey, that was a great reenactment you guys had out there. We didn't have a reenactment. It was just, you know, something playing back. Again, not really sure of, of the catalyst. Um, so Judy asking, uh, do spirits come through a portal? And if so, how does a portal happen from people doing something? So this is what I'll say about portals. This is actually the last part of the writing that I've been doing. Um, final chapter. And I've been talking about portals, actually. So um, great timing. Um, controlling a portal, we don't know. Why they open and close, you know, we're, we guess the energy. And, and why I say that is we do know of portals that happen naturally uh, in nature. They right out there in space. They, they call them X points, um, but they are, by definition, portals. And NASA has been studying these things. It's basically where the Earth's magnetic field uh, hits the solar wind coming from the sun. And these portals are erratic. Sometimes they open up for a very short period of time. Sometimes they open up for long periods of time. Uh, they can be large. They can be small. You know, they, we don't know how or why those dynamics happen. They've been studying it for almost 10 years now. Uh, but discovered in 2012, they sent up a satellite in 2014. But, but they don't know exactly how or why or when these things kick off. They just know they do. And basically what it does uh, for those X points is it, it accelerates uh, the particles from the sun to uh, hit the earth. And then we end up with like, you know, those, the wonderful auroras and things like that. Um, so that's kind of the big question. How do we make the portal open up? Um, and when we look back at um, the ancient Egyptians and their Stargate symbolism, when we look back well, like at Chaco Canyon, you have, you know, their lore right there. We have the star people that came here via the portals. It's right there in their petroglyphs. Um, we don't know how the portals were activated and how they were used. So, but um, but they do exist. In fact, uh, they created a wormhole in the lab back in, well, they published the paper back in November. So, okay. Um, and then Sarah interesting question do you get a similar type of acceleration when you have two mirrors facing each other so that idea that has been postulated you have two mirrors facing each other and you're supposed to it's supposed to generate a portal well i had a bathroom in oklahoma you know back when i was <laughs> back when i was doing this investigation the house that i lived in um the vanity there you know had the big mirror against the wall and then on either side uh, there were uh, medicine cabinets and they face each other. And those medicine cabinets had mirrors on them. Never opened up a portal in the house. But here's, here's the caveat. So the idea of the portals doing that, or I'm sorry, the, the mirrors doing that to create a portal comes from a long time ago when the backing of the mirrors were silver. Today it's aluminum. But a long time ago, it was silver. That's why with your old historic mirrors, they're tarnished, right? It's because they had a silver backing. So the silver being a conductive metal 
is what helps that to happen. And that's, we talked a little bit about the silver um, helping like the Montezuma's well area uh, a few weeks back when we did the American Southwest. Remember, um, well, it, we, that would be too much of a sidebar right now to dive into that, but you can refer back to that. The, um, I have the American Southwest recap here on the, on the YouTube channel, so you can check that out as well. So, all right, where are we headed from here? So that was, okay, an intelligent haunt. So now let's move on. We've talked about uh, residual. We've talked about intelligent. And we did mention time slips a little bit earlier in conjunction to the, uh, to the conjuring house. We see this play out in other areas as well. So uh, when we talk you know, possible time slips, a couple of different stories that I like to talk about they're actually quote unquote doppelganger stories, but they play out, they, they make more sense as time slips, like the famous poet Goethe. He has a fascinating story, and we covered this in the time slips and uh, interdimensional phasing class. Fascinating story in which uh, one day he's basically walking down the road, he's on his way to have an affair uh, with a young woman in Drosselheim. And on the other side of the road, he sees a uh, a man in this strange, uh, you know, gray suit with like this gold trim and all this stuff. He just the the suit is really noticeable. And he's like, you know, what in the world is is that? Who is that? And then all of a sudden, the person disappears. It's like, whoa, okay. Years later, he's walking down the same road. In the opposite direction, he remembers that event happening as he's walking down the road. Oh, this is where, and he looks down. Oh my gosh, I'm the guy in the gray suit. So what he had seen, not really sure again what kicked this thing off to happen. Other than, I'll say this, when we talk about stack time theory, uh, that every moment that has happened, is happening, and will happen are all happening at the same time. Take a particular location like this spot on the road that uh, that Goethe's work, uh, walking down. Just stack up all those moments uh, like a stack of photos. And for some reason, again, we don't know the catalyst. For some reason, two of those moments happen to resonate the same frequency, and you get a glimpse of that other point in time, like we were talking earlier with the Conjuring House. Same thing with Goethe. He got a glimpse of another point in time, and that was happened to be himself. Another fascinating story on this matter comes from a it's a shadow person story that was related to me almost a couple of years ago. Now I was on uh, Jim Harold's podcast, and he's interviewing me about you know, shadow people, shadow entities, all that great stuff. And he shared this story with me from uh, from a young man. And when he was a kid, he had walked into his kitchen and there standing by the kitchen table was this tall, dark hooded figure, scared him to death, ran out, you know, hooded shadow figure, ran right out of there. Years later, he's in the kitchen. He's at the table. He's making a sandwich. He's wearing a hoodie. And all of a sudden he notices in the doorway, this short shadow person walk into the room 
and then boom, dart right back out. And it dawns on him, on him, oh my God, that was me. The short shadow person was him all those years ago, seeing him standing there by the kitchen table in the hoodie. But on either end, there was only enough resonant energy for each of them to see the other as a shadow. So sort of a doppelganger thing because he's seen himself. It's a time slip because it's two moments in time that are seeing each other and because they only show up as shadows in this story. It's also a shadow person's story. So this is why when somebody says, what's a shadow person? It's like, man, it could be even be yourself. <laughs> so um, they are a lot of different things. All right. So I do want to play one more video clip here. And this is in relation to an incident I had at a restaurant called Johnny V's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. This is another uh, clip from an old Friday Night Ghost Frights. And some of you are going to be familiar with this story. But when we're talking about our hauntings interdimensional, um, you know, when we're talking time slips, there is an interdimensionality to all of that. Uh, when we talk about time, I mean, time is the fourth dimension. And if you're outside of time and able to interact with it and move about it at will, then you're in the fifth dimension. So this, we are talking about interdimensional play here. We just don't necessarily have the ability to bend it to our own will. Um, but we get glimpses of it here from, from time to time about how it could be used. So let me play this clip. A personal experience that I had that could possibly be a time travel type of experience or possibly a time overlap experience was an encounter I had with a shadow person at a restaurant called Johnny V's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. We were just finishing up a paranormal investigation. A couple of people were upstairs in the bar area, some others were out in the restaurant area, and I decided to take a last photo sweep of the restaurant. As I was walking through the main doors to the kitchen of the restaurant, I suddenly spotted a shadow that darted across the kitchen really quick and slammed through the side door of that kitchen and into the restaurant. It was a very fast, very translucent shadow, but it was distinctly there and you heard the bang of the door when it slammed into it. What's unusual about this is that even though I heard the slam of that door, it was just a flimsy little metal door that you could open very easily with your finger, meant for waiters and waitresses to walk through with heavy trays of food, the door didn't open. I called out to the others to see if they had heard what I had, and they had. And I do have a theory on this, that this shadow person was some sort of interdimensional being, some reason crossing my plane of existence at that particular time, and that when I walked into the room, it saw me, I scared it, and it ran through that door. Now, perhaps on its plane of existence, that door opened wide and it ran right off into the dining room. But on my plane of existence, that door stayed closed. But sound being on a different wavelength resonated between the two planes of existence. While this could purely be an interdimensional being like I described, could this also have been someone else from the building's history? Our moments in time overlapping each other for a brief moment. 
So there I am postulating the idea of, hey, this could also be some sort of time slip because the, the way I had described it for quite a while, and I'll put up the illustration here uh, that I've shown, and this is in the book as well, uh, Walk in the Shadows, is the idea that you know you have two different planes of existence here, or these actually could be two different moments in time where on the shadow person's plane of existence, it blew right through that door off into the dining room area because it may have seen me as a shadow. Maybe it saw me as a ghost. I don't know. I, I saw it as a shadow. Very, very, well, not small. It was tall, very narrow, very, very fast. And you heard the boom, bang. And I do have like the uh, the audio clips and, and all that on uh, some of the other videos on the, on the YouTube channel. Uh, and, and everybody heard it. So, um, so yeah, this was either two moments in time resonating with each other, or it was, you know, some sort of interdimensional being, that sort of thing. And when we talk about uh, hearing the sound, but not actually seeing it, sound can actually, in some cases, uh, traverse the dimensions. And this is something that we actually talk about on the television show, The Alaska Triangle, when we were talking about the missing Douglas airplane. And so I cover this in my book, um, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, where uh, its disappearance may have gone through a portal. And there was radio chatter afterward, very, very indiscernible, that, that it came through. So never could really confirm that it was from the missing Douglas. But the idea is if it did pass through the portal and it was able to send that radio chatter, that sound back through, that it could have possibly been picked up because that's on a different wavelength than the actual uh, physicality of it. So I saw some other comments and questions down in here. Um, Alex says, Andrea said the time was interactive. Yeah, absolutely. So when, um, so when Carolyn saw uh, this family that was in the uh, that was in the dining room there of the Conjuring House. The two gentlemen turned and looked at her, and the one said to the other, "Well, would you look at that?" As if Carolyn was the ghost. So yes, it was uh, it was very interactive, absolutely. Um, and Sharon, the transition between dimensions probably just sorts the shape and size of the person. Yeah, because it's not it's not fully resonating sometimes. So like in Andrea's case there at the Conjuring House, um, when Carolyn saw this, it was like fully played out. So right then you would have like perfect resonance. Now, what happens like when you're tuning a radio station, like old school dial, okay? I know, you, <laughs> um, you know, probably from millennials forward, it was, it's all been digital. You just put in a station number and all that. But old school, when you had to tweak the dial to, to tune in, right? Um, you know, what would happen as you, you know, got too far or not far enough to the radio station that you wanted, you didn't get the sound as crisp, right? It was only when you were pretty much perfectly on there that you would, you know, be able to hear the whole thing perfect, where if you were not far enough or too far, you'd get, you know, static and get distorted, break up and all that. Kind of the same concept here, where if you're perfectly in tune with the resonance of it, boom, you're going to see the whole thing, just as if it's, you know, right there. But when it's not, when it's a little off, that's when we start seeing things like the shadows, 
you know, maybe it becomes like a wisp and some of these other different types of phenomena when it's not fully clear. And we're like, what the heck was that? So, um, so yeah, there we go. Um, okay. And then Sarah's asking, what's the source of the magnetism at the conjuring house? Well, there's something with the, with the land there. So you would have to do like deep core drilling to find out what's under there. Uh, but it's kind of like what we talk about with the, um, you know, the energy from the earth's core passing through different metals and minerals in the ground. And that's why different hotspot locations around uh, the globe, you have areas that are more interactive, you know, like the triangle area, Skinwalker Ranch, that, those sorts of places. Um, so the Conjuring House, you know, we believe that's, that's part of it. But again, that well room and the way it's constructed is uh, helping to really harness that and amplify it is it basically what the well room is doing is it's amplifying that energy there. So, okay, we have, what do we have here? About eight minutes left. <laughs> All right. So a number of you have heard this story before, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell it again. You know, when we talk interdimensional beings could some of these hauntings be interdimensional and you know at the outset when you know i told the story sounds like a uh, a terrifying shadow person story but it's turned out to be more so when i was a you know, young child about eight years old woke up in the middle of the night tall dark figure standing in the corner of my bedroom didn't know anything about shadow people at the time i'm thinking there's an intruder in the house Somebody's trying to rob the place. Maybe they're here to kill me, that sort of thing. Still alive to tell the tale, which is great. I didn't get killed. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I'm trying to scream. Nothing's coming out of my mouth. Things trying to approach me. Actually, it did approach me, not trying. It did. Leaned over my bed. I'm staring up with this blank black face. Nothing, nothing there. No eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. I'm still trying to scream. Did get physical with me. Grabbed me by the wrist, crossed my arms across my body, ran off down the hall, and of all places, into a closet. So I ran off screaming in my parents' bedroom. Uh, you know, they're trying to console me, call me down, trying to tell me I just had a bad dream. I knew I hadn't just, I knew I hadn't had a bad dream. I'd been awake for this whole thing. Fast forward years later, after having other experiences, investigating the paranormal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, finally, a couple years ago, I had a, uh, a re, uh, hypnosis session on this particular matter because, you know, other things have been suggested to me over the years. Like, you know, maybe instead of being like this terrifying shadow person that was attacking me, maybe it thought I was dead and was putting me into a burial pose, like, you know, crook and flail from ancient Egypt. Okay. That's an interesting idea. And it was a couple, couple of people suggested that one. So it was like, well, let's, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's find out what happened here. And in this hypnosis session, um, the, uh, she was able to actually channel the being itself. And so we actually had a conversation with this thing. And basically what happened was this thing from some other dimension, it's interdimensional, and it didn't realize at first that I could see it. And then when I started reacting to it, you know, it, it felt bad that I, that it had scared me. So when it approached me across my arms, what it was trying to do is give me like a self hug. And then one of the things I could see from this new perspective during the 
hypnosis session was that it actually patted me on the wrists and then got out of there so it would stop scaring me. So some of the questions, of course, that were posed um, by the hypnotherapist were things like, you know, where are you from? Well, I'm from another space. The follow-up question to that was, you know, well, do you mean another dimension? The answer was, well, you might call it another dimension, but really it's another space. So right there, we're kind of talking way earlier in the show about, you know, actually, no, I think we were talking about that in the interview that I did earlier today on Bob's show. Yeah, I think that's where it was. But um, the idea that, you know, we were just at the you know tip of the iceberg with a lot of uh, our understanding of the way the universe works. So, you know, we're getting, you know, we're, we call it dimensions, but then you have some entity here that has traveled using whatever that is and is calling it a space. So our understanding of what these things that we call dimensions are, are pretty rudimentary. We don't quite fully understand what that is. You know, we're kind of in our infancy of understanding. And then of course, okay, you know, why are you here? And basically, it was on a research mission is, is what it comes down to. It was there to research humanity. And this particular night was there researching a human child. So, um, yeah, really, really uh, fascinating. But, you know, on the surface, you were to say, you know, shadow person showed up in my room at night, person would call that a haunting on the outset, just very, very surface level. But when you start digging into what really happened, it's like, okay, there's, there's a lot more going on here than just things that go bump in the night. And, you know, that's why a lot of, you know, my research has taken a bit of a you know, different turn here. Um, I, I saw a comment in there earlier about, you know, doing investigations and things like that again on, on the channel. And it's, I'm doing maybe a few of those a year. And it's not like back in the day, like a long, long time ago. Um, it's still a facet of this type of research, but it's not the primary focus because there's so many other things that are going on. It's like, I've learned a lot from the paranormal investigations, but when we're talking the connected universe, it's just a piece of the whole puzzle. So I have to start looking into the other areas as well and making those different connections. Because it's when you're just looking at one piece, you're too, you're too tunnel visioned. You're in a box. You need to back up a bit and look at the entire thing to get a better idea to get a better picture of everything that is going on and how the universe and all these different things you know the hauntings the the ufos the uaps the uh interdimensional travel the astral projections the the afterlife all these different things how are they interconnected how does it work how does time work and so that's where a lot of the research uh is going these days all right, take a couple of other comments here. Um, so Sharon, this is funny, reminds me of the Edge of the Rabbit Holes days. So I did mention this in the uh, member section at the very beginning. I will mention it here uh, real quick here at the end. Edge of the Rabbit Holes coming back um, about once a month. And so what's going to happen here uh, with connecting the universe? Still going to do it every week. Um, we're going to do it also publicly 
now. So there'll be a, a member section at the beginning uh, before we go live here on YouTube. And then uh, at the hour mark, we'll cut off. We'll go back to the member only area, do like a little after party sort of thing for about 15, 20 minutes. That'll be every week. But one of those weeks of connecting the universe will actually be edge of the rabbit hole. And we'll have a special guest come on. Victoria is going to rejoin me as my co-hostess. And um, and so, yeah, that'll be like the good old days. And so we talked last year about doing those, uh, you know, well, we'll do a pop-up show. And it never really materialized, never really happened. It had to do with my with my schedule. Um, doing multiple shows per week like that was just, it was just too much. Because there's too much on my plate these days. Uh, but meshing the two together, we can make happen. And so um, that's what we're going to be uh, doing. This is week one. <laughs> this is week one. So sometime in June will be um, the first rabbit hole episode. Uh, we need to coordinate that um, with uh, Victoria. Guess Victoria is already on board, though. So um, glad to see that you guys are uh, are happy about that. Uh, Judy saying yes. Sharon Lane saying yes. Uh, yeah, awesome. So, and yes, definitely love Victoria. So, all right. And, uh, and Eddie here dealt with shadow beings. Yeah. So I highly recommend my book, A Walk in the Shadows, Complete Guide to Shadow People. Uh, I also have a bunch of videos here on uh, the YouTube channel. So be sure to check those out and might give you some answers. I hope so. So, all right. So for the YouTube side of things, we are cutting out uh, member area. I will still be live for a little bit longer. And uh, for the rest, for the podcast version, until next time, time really exists.